Exclusive Books is delighted to present another homebrew podcast series, a celebration of South African writers and their books. Now 25 years old, Exclusive Books Homebrew 2022 is not the same old story, but a mirror and a window into South Africa, where we are, where we've been, and where we can go. A remarkable selection of history, fiction, memoirs, current affairs, and children's books on our most pressing and relevant topics, from identity to feminism, corruption to corporates, self-love and identity, and everything in between. Incisiveness, humor, self-reflection, and hope abound. Check out the full selection in all exclusive bookstores and online. Today's episode of Homebrew is presented by advocacy journalist and poet, Lerato Sibanda. For You, I Steal a Goat is an anthology of 10 humorous and sobering South African short stories which mostly express the black cultural imaginary through multifaceted and multi-generational characters. The unprecedented events that unfurl, though fictional, reveal to us the foibles that make South Africans and our society unique. From a troop of rats being mistakenly identified as spooks, to two black bros and a German girl trying to appease their ancestors with a hijacked animal. To a woke writer who gaslights her lovers for clout. This book, like its cover, is colorful and it slaps. Welcome to Homebrew, Nick. Please read us an extract from your book. For you, I'd steal a goat. The Berlin lockdown is announced in March 2020. Zwei and I find ourselves trapped in the city. The flights back to South Africa are cancelled immediately and indefinitely. We arrived just over three months ago. Most of the performances of our play Nailed at the English Theatre Berlin Crossback were sold out. It attracted audiences from Berlin and neighboring countries. Our host was also in the middle of securing us a deal to perform in Hamburg and a few other German cities. Come March, everything changes. Our shows are canceled. The German Chancellor announces lockdown regulations. All theater activities are suspended. We are supposed to wear masks and practice social distancing at all times. The usual buzzing Berlin streets are empty. Pubs and bars are closed. Everyone is buying provisions in bulks that will sustain them for months. There are long queues for toilet papers and tinned food in the supermarkets. Shelves are empty. No one knows what will happen. We all sink into a great depression. My friends Zwei and I are panicking. I experience insomnia. I often look at the moon. It feels like it has a hole in the middle. I'm sure that I'm going mad. So when did your love for the short story genre begin? And do you remember the title of the first one you ever wrote? Yes, um, my first love for the short stories began in 2005. Actually, it was a year after I had published a full-length novel called Doggy Dog. So I published a story which was in German. It's called The Dark End of Our Streets. 
And it's based on realities. It was me trying to deal with some of the things that I was going through. Like, for instance, I'll give you an example. In, in 1995, sorry, 97, for instance, while I was still a vet student, I had a friend of mine who committed suicide, uh, jumping from Bramfontein Center. So I had to write a short story in order to heal. So the first short story, Dark End of Our Street, was for me trying to heal. It was a cathartic story for me so that I deal with the philosophy of a friend. It was published in German, but it's now found in an anthology, I mean, in a collection called Affluenza, my very first short stories collection published in 2016. Of all your short stories in this collection, Unwelcome Guess was my most memorable because you painted a situation that in real life would cause many a headache, but in such a funny way. How did the idea of the story come to you? The idea of the story, it's almost every day. Actually, in a place in Soweto called Shawelo, I've got a friend of mine opposite his home. The wall is painted. This house is not for sale. Almost everywhere, almost everywhere you see such kind of houses. And with that, I realized that there's a story, sometimes a sad story behind it, a story of family squabbles, a story of people no longer liking each other. So I had to come up with a story myself that fitted exactly with what I was imagining was going on when I saw that wall specifically written, this is no longer for sale. Nick, you've just read from the titular chapter, For You Are Still a Goat, which unlike the others which are either set in Soweto or around Gaudeng. This one is set in Berlin during lockdown and opens with two black guys and a German girl blazing some weed during lockdown at the balcony of their flat until they get that aha moment. How do you decide which places or countries to stage your stories in? I mean, why Berlin? Berlin was an obvious choice because I almost lived in two cities, in Johannesburg and Berlin. Six months I'm in Berlin, six months I'm this side. In 2020, what happened is that I was um, given a most prestigious fellowship, that fellowship artist in residency, and that coincided with lockdown. And imagine being locked down in a place where you don't know the language. All the terminology of lockdown was new to us. Even social distancing is new to us. Imagine being told that in German, you panic because even at home, people are feeling, where is, is this guy surviving? You know. So I used that particular setup to imagine a story. So I mixed realism, also my imaginations, as to imagine a person being trapped in this. Of course, you experience lots of things around you. I mean, in your mind, you know. For instance, I'll give you an example. I lost a brother while I was still in the Berlin, and I couldn't come back and bury him. So those kind of things were in my mind, moving in my mind. And I decided, okay, perhaps to heal also in this one is to write a short story related to that, merging fiction and nonfiction. So I'm glad that it came out the way it did. You didn't happen to hijack any goat while you were out there in Berlin, right? <laughs> Not at all. Actually, the idea of a goat is an old story. I got the story long time ago. The story of a goat is a story that I had long time ago. And it came from when I had somebody who went into exile uh, around the 90s. 
told me that they were suffering a lot of uh, mental disturbances and thought like they had to do something for their ancestors. So I thought, okay, let me use that idea that I had long time ago and make it mine by writing a story set in Berlin. So it came from that originality. But also to emphasize that if you look at the story itself, I used to write for the Johannes Beck Review of Books. I once wrote a non-fiction story about how I'm coping with lockdown in Berlin. And it's different from this, but I borrowed that idea and merged it with the idea that I had had long time ago of a goat, which is the story that I had from somebody to make it a good story. In 2006, you were described in a New York Times article as one of the most high-spirited and irreverent new voices of South Africa's post-apartheid literary scene. Wowza. Now, that's a big shout out. Which writers have inspired you and your brand of creative narration? There are countless. Amongst my peers, for instance, Silo Decker inspired me among my peers. I mean, he wrote a very beautiful book called 13 Cents. And I thought, wow, he is young. I can write like him. I do have stories that are similar to that. But that's not only him. So I grew up in our house. Most of the books that were on the shelves were books from African writer series. So I read nothing except African writer series books. I read Buchi Emecheta, for instance, Ngugi Wathiongo, Shinwa Achebe, Meja Mwangi, Down 7 Avenue, Professor Njaulon Debele. Most of the writers influenced me in a specific way. So that's the reason why when I went to Vet University, for instance, I didn't have any problem of choosing a correct course, I did African literature at VIT, which sharpened what I already aspired to be, which is a writer, because I was inspired by all these writers from the African Writers Series. So at VIT, they sharpened my interest by introducing me to Caribbean literature, to African-American literature, like, for instance, Richard Wright, and so on and so forth. Your short story, Woman to Woman, was so unique because you wrote it in a form of a letter as is being written by a woman who's in jail asking for mercy from another woman who's grieving. The tone of this short story was very touching and effective, or at least for me. How were you able to reach this place where you could successfully convey what goes on in grieving women's psyches? Let me rather say that every story that I write for me, I try to make it a vehicle or let me say a spaceship to a higher places. And sometimes it's a trial and error kind of thing. So I experiment a lot because each and every story, it's about experimentation for me. You never know how it's going to be received or not. But for these particular short stories and the ones that are similar, what prepared me most is that I read a lot of literature by women, and that helped me a lot, you know. I read people like Amaata Aidu's collection. I read Chimamanda Ngoz. I read everyone specializing on women writers. We, we have a very greatest wealth of women writers in Africa, for instance. And I realized that, you know, um, there is a story that I also want to tell and these are the stories that what inspired them mostly were the sketch that we have in South Africa of gender-based violence, for instance, and violence in a nutshell, you know. I followed those kind of stories quite a lot, said as they may be, 
And I realized that let me write something from a male's perspective and then using women characters. So it was an experiment that came out right. What helped me is that I listened mostly also to my female friends. Some of them are writers, some of them are not writers, but focus also a lot into female writing and analyzed in some points the voices in that way. So I'm a good listener, I'll say. But in terms of writing that story down, it was honestly a trial and error and it came out okay. How has your other career as a travel journalist influenced your narratives? Do you find concepts from the stories you've covered? Do you steal character ideas, perhaps? Definitely. That's the job of a writer. I've realized that I'm mostly a kind of a realist writer. I write comfortably about places that I've seen. And my dialogue and my characters are inspired by real people. That's why the stories are believable, because I write real stories that everyone can relate to. At least I try to do that. So... Traveling is one of the best ways to do your research. And also, it's easier for you to complement what you have seen in a form of a research with a desktop. So what I'll do firstly is when I travel, I write well when I travel and then go back and research the kind of things that I've witnessed. So I think, yes, traveling has always been my source of stories because I believe in each pavement that I walk through, there's a story that needs to be told. And it takes a bold person to write that particular story. And there is no story which has never been told before. It's up to you to tell each and every story in your own way. Because, I mean, we're living in the world where experiences are almost similar. But the way we tell them, it's different because we interpret our world differently. We might see the same thing and walk the same street. But the interpretation that we give to our world is different. Now, there are two stories in here (laughs) where your characters see ghosts or they think they see ghosts. Would I be correct in saying that this is a popular theme in your work? Yeah, 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 yeah. you're definitely right. I've written ghost stories in Haunting, for instance. I've written ghost stories in Way Back Home, in um, Paradise in Gaza. Definitely ghosts. These are the stories for me that needs to be told because in the past, I mean, during my time when I was writing, these are the stories that were easily dismissed by popular media. But these are our stories. I'll give you an example. Why are ghosts very much central to my writing also is that where I grew up in an African way of telling a story. The story is not just told entertain, it's told edutain as well. So for instance, if my mother wants to tell me Oh, don't go about at night. Come back every time. Come back when the lights are on. She will tell a ghost story that will kill me or whatever. The lesson behind it is not about ghosts. Is that if you go out at night, you might find bad things. You might be involved in bad things and uh, there might be bad spirits following you, you know. So it's a lesson in itself. It makes you stay at home, for instance. It makes you to be focused around that particular point. It makes you to be cautious about time, about things, dangers that might be lacking around you, whether you believe you are in a safe space or not. So ghosts, yes, are central. If you dismiss a story like that, you miss the gist of the reasoning and also what the lesson from the story 
that you can get from the story. So that's why I'm writing ghost stories. Yeah. Which of the 10 short stories in this collection has gotten the most feedback from your followers? It's very difficult to sense the feedback at the moment here in South Africa because I haven't done any launches. My launch is on the 11th in Pretoria, so people are welcome to come and listen. But there are some people that have already highlighted some of the stories. Like, for instance, the one that has got much more attention here in South Africa is the stalker because it talks about tradition and modernity. It's a story about patriarchy versus modernity as well. And some of the, the irrelevances of patriarchy in the modern state. But in Germany, the most popular short story is For You Are Still a Good. And here is the translation, a German translation of that particular story. So it's more popular that uh, even when I launched, there was a translation of the story that people bought in huge numbers. For instance, we printed only 100. Why printing 100 is because Germany is a nation that doesn't read short stories. But what we were surprised is that on that particular night, 75 books were sold at the South African embassy. I was hosted by the South African embassy for the launch. So we sold 75 and the stories are still selling at the moment. So here in South Africa, I'll know more when I engage with people like I'm engaging with you at the moment. To be certain, the one that I talked to about the stalker sounds like a popular story. But also for you, I'll kill a goat. It sounds like a popular story because to many people, it's a greatest love story, you know, with good promise. Like, you know, when somebody says, I'll steal a good for you, you think twice. This is a genuine person. For you, I steal a good is an energetic and vital contribution to local fictional stories rooted in South African familial, social, and political life and penned in a legible way with twist endings that leave you either shook or with the biggest of smiles. Thanks for listening in. This exclusive Books Homebrew podcast was spread far and wide with the help of Vodapay. Vodapay is a super app that is available on all mobile networks. On the app, anyone from any network can send and receive money, pay bills and shop the amazing deals all in one place. It really is one app for anything and everything. If you like it, vote a pay it.